Well, let's see if I can remember how to do this. It's been six months since I've actually preached. <laughs> I mean, uh, wow. been looking into the eye of Sauron, I've called it, the camera. The eye of Sauron. Y'all don't, y'all don't know that reference? I mean, come on. Tolkien, you know, the evil eye of Sauron. Okay, never mind. I'm going to need you, like all I can see are masks, right? So I'm going to need you to be really expressive with your eyebrows. <laughs> because this is a conversation, all right? So I, I kind of feed off of your feedback and, you know, okay, so that's not going to work. Never mind. I'm going to do my best and so are you. We are, uh, we're in a, a series called I Believe and we're going through the Apostles' Creed. And this morning we're talking about Jesus suffering under Pontius Pilate. Why do we suffer? Why do we suffer? And how does faith in Christ who overcame the world, how does that make sense of our suffering? I think so often you and I, our penchant is to avoid. We are so good at denying the ways that, that, that we add to our own suffering. We're so good at, at, at denying and deflecting what's going on. Even in blaming God, we, we, uh, we, we make excuses for ourselves to respond to difficulty in a way that keeps us in control instead of saying, God, what are you doing in and through this moment? We, we try to find ways around it. We try to blame. We try to deflect in order not to deal with reality. Faith is, not, uh, faith is not some sort of drug to help us deflect reality. Faith is the very stuff when exercised that takes us right through it. From the Word of God, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 through 25. I invite you to open your Bibles this morning if you have them, uh, or at home if you take a moment to get yours and, and go through it. We're going to look at these different verses in 1 Peter 2, 11 to 25. Hear God's word this morning. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak, when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to the governors as set by him to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God honor the emperor. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing when mindful of God, 
one endures sorrow while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, if you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who just judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, bless us now through this word, not only to our minds to understand it, but to our hearts to believe it, that through our lives we may live it. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Early on in uh, our marriage, uh, I had a running joke with my wife, Beth, which I think she thought was funny, but I, I probably ought to check in with her about this, but... Um, so anytime I hurt myself, I try to figure out a way that it was her fault, okay? So it was like maybe I was out on the ladder somewhere, and if she had just paid that bill on time, then otherwise it, it wouldn't have happened, right? So this was just kind of a running joke. Because I think, you know, early on, you know, there were a couple of times when I actually did blame her for something she didn't do. Uh, it was unfair, and so I turned it into a joke, which is something that I, I do, um, and, and so it was a running joke for a little while just to um, make light of the fact that you and I sometimes have a lot of self-inflicted wounds that we want somebody else to pay for. We suffer at our own hands a lot of times. We suffer at the hands of ourselves, of the world, and at evil itself. So this morning, let's take a look at how having faith, exercising faith, how that makes sense of suffering. You say, well, Tim, what, what about having faith? I mean, I, I thought you either have faith or you don't have faith. Well, if you think of so many different instances where Jesus is saying, look at these people exercising their faith. You see in Mark chapter 2 that because of their faith, a man was healed. You know, these four people lowering down a man who was a paralytic. He says, because of their faith, you are healed. The centurion, he says, you know, I, I've gone throughout Galilee and I have not seen such faith of this Roman soldier. They're in the boat. He says, where's your faith? You can have it, but are you exercising your faith? So let's take, let, let's take a look because I think a lot of us, we really are spending way too much try, time making excuses for God and actually secretly harboring uh, a lot of disdain for him. We, we spend a lot of time deflecting our pain through blaming other people, whether it's a joke or not. When God is actually calling us to go through the suffering that you're called to, he actually calls you when he calls you 
to go through difficult times, not around it, not under it, right? Like going on a bear hunt, right? You can't go over it, you can't go under it, you got to go through it, right? So let's talk about how exercising faith through times of difficulty makes sense of your suffering. Three different ways we're going to look at that. We're going to look at the why, we're going to look at the how, and we're going to look at the what end. Why do we suffer? How do we make the most of it for the sake of others? And then to what end? All right? Why and how and then to what end? First, why? Why do we suffer? And the answer is simply this. It's a broken world. It's a broken reality that we're in. There's a fall and we're in the middle of this between time where Jesus has, has, uh, has suffered and died and risen again and not yet fulfilled what he has done in overcoming death. We're in that in-between time. We're still in a broken reality. And there, there, there's something really crucial about our expectations that the world is broken. It's really important that we have the right expectations. It's a broken world. But when we have the expectation, we understand that that's true. That's part of our as part of what has been revealed to us, as part of what's true, and when we face it in faith, then we have the ability to look at reality, to look at the facts with unwavering faith that we will prevail. Not, become, not to become cynical in looking at, at, at being realistic. And neither just being stoic or just sort of saying, well, pie in the sky by and by. We're called in this tension to look at the facts and have unwavering faith, right? There are a lot of people that look at the facts, right? And they say, you know, that's just the way it is, and they get kind of cynical, and they, they get sort of pessimistic. They become sort of like Eeyore. Oh, that's just the way it is, right? And there are other people that are just kind of like, oh, well, you know, what? let's pretend it's not so bad because, you know, because of Jesus, 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 right? Or someday, you know, we're going to be in heaven, this is not the faith to which you're called. Jesus doesn't call you to make him an excuse to avoid reality. So the first thing is, is why is it broken? Well, the, it's broken because, I mean, why do we suffer? It's, it, we suffer because it's broken. And faith gives us the strength, the resources, you see? You have the resources to look at the facts without becoming cynical. You have the resources not to turn away, but to turn into what's really going on. Expectations are huge. You know, I see people in the hospital all the time who, who um, had the expectation that their recovery was going to take a while. Those people tend to do better in recovery. Other people didn't have the expectation that they, they thought they were going to go in there and fix the thing, whatever they were fixing. The surgeon was going to do the thing, and it was just going to be like that, and they were going to be... And those expectations were not adjusted to reality, right? And as a result, some of these people get very... Sometimes we can get very depressed because of expectations. It's a broken world, and we have the resources of faith to go right through it. And when we do, when we do, we begin to be able to make sense of why we're in the middle of this. So let's take a look at just, just three quick ways that, that we can adjust our expectations to a broken world. Flesh, world, and evil, okay? This is still under point one. Why do we suffer? We suffer because we're broken. How, how are we broken? We're broken in three different ways. 
flesh, world, and evil. First flesh. You know, I, I was talking about this uh, running joke that I have with, with Beth. And sometimes it is, um, it's our own choices, right? We suffer because of our own choices. We make mistakes. We're in the flesh. Verse 11, beloved, I urge you as sojourners, people who are sort of passing through and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh. When you see the flesh... More often than not, that's saying broken flesh, sinful flesh. It's not saying don't have desires. It's not saying don't enjoy your cup of coffee. It's not saying don't go to a movie. It's saying don't give yourself over to disordered desires because there are consequences that are built into that. You see, sometimes we suffer because our own hand, we make a mistake and we do it to ourselves. Second, we suffer because of the world. We suffer because of a broken world. You can see he's saying, look, whether or not, you look down to uh, verse, um, uh, let's see, where is it here, 14. Governors are sometimes sent, they're, they're, they're operating under the authority of God. They're sometimes just simply maintaining order, verse 14, for those who do good. Sometimes, verse 15, they're, um, they're, they're, sit, they're there uh, to, to show your own goodness in contrast to their abusiveness, right? You say, well, my goodness, aren't we supposed to... I mean, what about the American Revolution? I mean, they threw off the government. That, it's not saying that there aren't times when, when we can't have a revolution, when we shouldn't push back, but it's saying day to day, in the moment, can you endure under an authority with the expectation that power is going to be corrupt? Power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Lord Acton, right? Power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. We should have the expectation that people in power are going to tend to drift. And how do we respond? Are we only able to respond well? Are we only able to make good? Is God only able to make good out of our circumstances if he changes those circumstances? Or can he, with taking us through those circumstances, bring something good? Well, look at the cross. Look at what Jesus endured. I mean, the cross is the very sign of our lives. When, when we go through something, recognizing we cannot change it, we don't have the power to change it. So now what do we do? Despair? No. You see, we're called into this tension again and again. Whether the authority is right and just or wrong and unjust, we have the resources to prevail. See, we're called into this now. We're, we're not called just to say, oh, this is just temporary, it's passing away, you know, just grit and bear it, but to recognize that God can actually and is actually and often actually bringing out the stars on the darkest night. You see, that's sometimes you. You're the star. You're the star somebody needs to see. God is taking you through. You say, well, my goodness, why would God take me through suffering? Just, well... Sometimes people, you yourself, you can't even see the hope that you have, the resources you have in faith, unless you're taken through some difficult times. See there? See, even, even difficulty of the world can be a grace to you, a resource to you, as faith begins to buoy you beyond those circumstances. 
And finally, evil. Evil uh, is also one of the ways that we suffer in a broken world. Now, Peter implies evil here. He's not coming right out and saying, you know, this is the devil's doing. And I think there's a reason for that. Um, you know, evil is personal. God is personal. What's behind all of creation is a personal being. And so you can't just say, well, evil is just this abstraction, okay? Evil is very personal. Now, it's, evil is named in the Bible personally. But a lot of times we, we, we run to the excuse of the devil when really we need to take responsibility for our own flesh or we need to take responsibility for an institution that is errant. And so I think Peter is implying something here. He's implying that evil is real, but we don't need to make him an excuse. You know, there are a couple of different problems with the way we respond to evil. One is that we underbelieve, and the other is that we overbelieve. Underbelieve, well, people just sort of dismiss it and say, oh, that's just sort of superstition or fairy tales. And overbelieve, people fixate on it. They become intrigued. They make, uh, they see... Uh, evil behind every rock, that's, that's not Christianity. We need to be people who don't blow our credibility because there's a virus, right? And it's biological, and it's a broken world. We need to be people who don't blow, blow, blow our credibility because the, uh, the corporate office are full of a bunch of rascals, right? If this is the world, this is an evil institution, and it needs some accountability. We don't, we don't want to, we, we shouldn't blow our credibility because you have made a bad decision, right? And need to take responsibility for it. You know, I, I, I was able to run away uh, for a couple of days. It took uh, my youngest son and one of my older sons uh, fly fishing last week. And this kind of illustrates the point that sometimes we're just right in the middle of something and we've just got to account for it. That God is still there and still present and still working and still wanting us to be encouraged in a broken and fallen world. So fly fishing, I've been doing it for a long time. So this is my first rodeo. So when I got snagged on that branch, fly fishing, and I began to curse my very existence, right? So you're fly fishing, you're finally there. I mean, it took us, you know, hours to paddle out to this remote location, and I'm like worn out. We're knee-deep in this beautiful stream, and I'm finally, it's like, finally, okay, I'm going to cast, and boom, I catch a limb. And it's like, oh my goodness, you've got to be kidding me. And I'm sitting here going, why am I even here? Why am I in this? You know, y'all can fill in the blanks, right? You've been there. And the line's all tangled, and I'm going to have to clip off the, and put a new leader on there, and the, this expensive fly is gone, and I'm like trying not to die in the middle of this whirlpool, and I'm trying to bend this thing, and I'm just sitting here thinking, why am I even doing this? I mean, there are so much easier ways to have fun and just relax, and this is not relaxing. And I kind of took a deep breath, and I thought, you know what? I'm here for this. I'm here for this very moment. I mean, I'm here to introduce my boys to it, to, for them to enjoy it, and they're having a good time and all that, but I am here for this very moment. Where's the patience? Where is the sense of peace? Why am I, why am I so having to be productive and to make something happen at every moment in order to be at peace? And there I am confronted with the 
the flesh, the world, and evil right there in the middle of this tangled line, right? See, God is calling us to go through it. Why do we suffer? It's a broken world. Have your expectations set, but set in such a way that you bring the resources of faith. Exercise your faith and bring faith to bear on the moment, through the moment, not just waiting to get around it, waiting for it to pass by. What is God doing in that moment? He's there. He's present. He overcame the world. Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What does that mean? That means Jesus took on our very despair. He put himself in our place of despair to experience the depth of it so that we may be buoyed in faith. Hebrews 4.15 says this. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Now back up to verse 14 which tells you why. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, Let us hold fast. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are. Jesus was brought to the depth of human frailty and brokenness without sin. You see, in those moments, those, those tangled line moments of your life, do you recognize Do you draw upon the resources that Jesus knows exactly where you are and what you're going through? That he has never leave you nor forsake you? That he understands what you're dealing with? He's not just up there sort of operating the knobs of heaven. He came right into the deepest, darkest moment of human history, the cross, and made beauty out of ashes. You see? Why do we suffer? It's a broken world. And yet, and yet, meanwhile, Jesus is present. So turn to the resources of your faith. Second, how do we respond? So how do we respond when we suffer, when we're dealing with difficulty? How do we respond? We respond in a way that benefits other people. That's what we're called to. That's what it says. You're called to this. So you see uh, that verses 13 through 18 are all examples of verse 11. What does verse 11 say? Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passages of flesh which wage war against your soul. Verse 12, keep your conduct among, uh, conduct among the Gentiles, among people who are far from God, honorable, so that when they speak, and this is funny, when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God in heaven. You know, there may be people in your neighborhood who aren't aren't believers and they're kind of obnoxious and they're maybe ugly to you and that kind of thing, but I bet you that, see, if you understand what this is saying, are you living your life in such a way, in other words, that that in your neighborhood they would say, you know, I don't buy what they buy, I don't believe what they believe, I don't go to church, but boy, I sure am glad that they are my next door neighbor, not somebody else, right? Huh? 
How about this church? Do people look at this church and say, you know what, we, we're not there on Sunday. We're, maybe we'd rather be doing something else, but I, I can't even imagine what Thomasville would be like without First Presbyterian Church. You see, this is exactly what we're called to. And those moments, those darker moments are when we shine the brightest. Those darker moments. And so verses 13 through 18 Let me take just a little swipe at one thing here. And it's talking about servants. Now, this is indentured servitude. This is not the kind of brutal slavery that that, uh, characterized early America. He's saying bond servants. Nevertheless, what he's saying is he's trying to find worst case scenarios. He's trying to find places where you're going to find yourself persecuted, where you're going to be somebody who's not in power, where you're going to be somebody who's facing all kinds of injustice. And again, are you going to despair or is there something in it for you and for other people? Is there something there? You see, we need to, we need to approach it the way we should be approaching social media. We need to approach injustice and difficulty for the sake of other people. I, I, I'm just going to make this little pronouncement today. I'm going I'm to tell you something about social media. There's nothing in it for you. Sorry. But there might be something in it for someone else through you. Social media, when it first came out, you know, when I first uh, learned about Facebook, I thought, oh, great. Now we got the Christmas card um, braggadocio long essay on how great life is and how everyone is perfect in our family, not once a year, but every single day, all right? All right. And then you're so disappointed that nobody noticed your post, all right? Nobody noticed, there's not not enough likes, right, for your beautiful souffle that you made. Because... You were on that cooking show with that famous chef, and you wanted everybody to see, you know, right? Or whatever it was. There's nothing in it for you. It's, always gonna, it's eventually going to disappoint you. If you're going out there to get something, you're going to be disappointed. But, but there might be something in it for somebody else. Thomas Cranmer was the Archbishop of Canterbury during the Reformation. And he recognized that the suffering that he was enduring might not be for his benefit, but for the benefit of others, for the world. The suffering and the way that Thomas Cranmer went through his suffering renewed the church in truth. Thomas Cranmer was told to recant his Protestant faith. As Mary assumed the throne, she wanted, she, she understood that through the Catholic Church at the time, she could use the church as an arm of government for her power. And so she wanted the church to be under government control. And so she told Thomas Cramer he needed to recant his Protestant faith. And he recanted for a time. And then he recanted his recantation. And he was so persecuted, he ended up being burned at the stake. This is in the 1500s. This isn't that long ago, people. He was burned at the stake. This is a, this is a civilized society during the Reformation that the Archbishop of Canterbury was taken and burned. And, and here is the dramatic and famous little twist to the end of this story. 
he took his hand, the one that he had used to sign the recantation, and he put it in the fire and held it there, looking at the authorities until it was burned. Can you imagine? Incredible faith exercised in that moment to say, I have, there might not be something in this for me, but I'm not going to waste it. You know, somebody said, and some of you know who this politician is, somebody said, don't waste the crisis, right? Well, uh, long before that politician made that comment, there was this passage. Long before he made that comment, there was the cross. You see, there's something in our difficulty, and it might not be for you. It might be for someone else. So don't waste it. Don't waste it. Finally, finally this. To what end? To what end are we exercising our faith in the midst of suffering? To what end? And the end is simply this. That we may be formed. That we may be formed. Now, too many of you are sitting here this morning and you're still just religious. And that's your problem. You know, what? I thought this was religion. No, this isn't religion. This is relationship. And so when you see that, that it says... Uh, for this you have been called, verse 21, for this you've been called because Christ also suffered for, for you, leaving you an example so that you may follow in his steps. You read this like this. Oh, I've got to try harder. I've just got to try harder. Right? I've got to be more religious. I've got to be better. I've got to do better. I've got to... And, and you reduce the relationship down to do's and don'ts, cans and cans, shoulds and shouldn'ts. And you've taken an old, broken religion that's centered on your ability to perform, and you've put it on Christianity. That's not what this is saying. When it's saying it's an example, that Jesus is an example, he's saying that he is the example, he is the one example who's overcome. And so your efforts are not in vain. But they're not in vain because you try harder and you'll get it right eventually. You're never going to get it fully right. But in the process, you and I can move from trying to training. And that's what we need to do. We need to move from trying to training. That's why watching a... Look, this isn't... This isn't, there's no shame in this, people, okay, right? If you're concerned about coming back to this room, I, I, I understand and don't blame me. You're fine. Just relax. If you're at home, relax, okay? But, this, but, but the church can't be reduced to a TV show. It's not. Yeah, this is temporary. We, we are able to provide something online for the time being while we get through this. But this isn't about information that we just try harder to apply. We have to move from trying to training. And Corey Ten Boom, the best example of what I'm talking about, where, where she's exercising her faith in a way that's training and training and training, right? Corey Ten Boom and her sister, the hiding place, they, during World War II, they, they hid uh, Jews from the Nazis. They were taken to the concentration camp. They were dealing with this horrible, horrible living situation. They had lice everywhere. 
And Corey said to her sister, you know, I'm not going to give God thanks in all situations. I'm, I certainly cannot thank him for the lice. And until I can thank him for the lice, then forget it. You know, she was being honest about where she was with her faith. And her sister said, even for the lice, we need to be able to thank God in all things. And eventually what they learned was that the lice protected them from the abuse of the guards. Remember the story? Have you heard this story? You see? And she went from trying to training. She was being honest about where she was, and she tried. She, she tried, she tried, and failed, and failed, and failed. But it, she began to become formed by exercising her faith after the admonition and the encouragement of her sister. You see, because of this. You see, Jesus didn't come so that we wouldn't suffer. He didn't come and suffer so that we would not suffer. He came so that when we do suffer, we might become like him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the amazing way that you're always at work. In the light and in the dark, in the highs and in the lows. Father, bless us, we pray, to trust you, to be trained and formed in and through every moment of difficulty, that we, Lord, may bear out a great witness of faith. In Jesus' name, amen.